Hello and welcome to In Unison, the podcast for choral conductors, composers, and choristers, where we interview members of our choral community to talk about new music, new and upcoming performances, and discuss the interpersonal and social dynamics of choral organizations in the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. Beyond. We are your hosts. I am Zane Fiala, Artistic Director of the International Orange Chorale of San Francisco. And I'm Giacomo Di Gregoli, a tenor in IOCSF, the Golden Gate Men's Chorus, and the San Francisco Symphony Chorus. And this is... In Unison! This week's episode is a conversation with Elena Sharkova and Jace Wittig, leaders of the Cantabile Youth Singers of Silicon Valley. We'll chat about how COVID has impacted their youth choirs, what life was like before COVID, and their hopes for a post-pandemic future. Well, joining us today on the podcast, we have Elena Sharkova and Jace Wittig. Uh, Elena uh, was named the Artistic Director for Cantabile in 2004, and we'll have Elena tell us more about that organization in a little bit, um, and is also the Managing Director as of 2018. In fact, Elena helped grow that organization from 80 to 250 singers. A native of St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, Elena earned her bachelor's degree in music education and piano and a graduate degree in conducting from the famed Rimsky korsakov State Conservatory, the alma mater to Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, Shostakovich, Prokofiev, etc. Uh, Elena moved to the United States in 1993 to pursue a career in conducting and academic teaching and received her second conducting degree and served as music professor at uh, Western Michigan University, and later at San Jose State University, where she was until 2006. In fact, that is where I first met Elena, was at San Jose State. Um, she's been the music director of the Symphony Silicon Valley Chorale since 1998, and is recognized on the international choral scene as one of the profession's leading experts on youth choral music education, and a much sought-after guest conductor with a unique and inspiring voice. Did I miss anything there for you, Elena? No, but all of that makes me about 103 years old. <laughs> That's a th- What's your skin regimen? It's amazing. <laughs> I can tell you on the interview is over. <laughs> and also joining us, we have Jace Wittig. And Jace is a baritone, a clinician, and educator. He joined Cantabile as a guest artist in 2014, following a nearly nine-year tenure with Chanticleer. Since 2019, uh, he's been named the Associate Artistic Director and the Young Men's Division Director, and he also conducts the group Aria within Cantabile. Uh, Jace sang baritone with Chanticleer for five seasons, after which he was appointed as the Interim Music Director from 2011 to 2014. And as Music Director for Chanticleer, he also served as advisor to the Ensemble's Education Program, which engages approximately 5,000 students around the world each year in master classes and choral festivals all all over the U.S. Uh, Jace is an active participant in the San Francisco Bay Area choral scene. He taught as an artist in residence at the San Francisco School of the Arts. He's been a guest conductor for the International Orange Chorale of San Francisco. And in 2015, he founded Gaudé, a professional a cappella octet specializing in music of the Renaissance. Jace received his bachelor's degree in vocal performance at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, studying voice with Dr. Craig Preby. And piano with Dr. Jim Helton. I may have butchered those names. My Not apologies if I did. Jace, did I miss anything? No. I mean, I just don't feel quite as fancy as Elena, but that's okay. <laughs> well, welcome to you both. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. So we, as Zane just mentioned, you both work with an organization of youth singers called the Cantabile Youth Singers of Silicon Valley. Uh, tell us a little bit about that group. Uh, it was started in t- 1994 by a local music teacher who wanted to give opportunities to students uh, to sing in a secular setting, not in the church, not in school, but actually as an uh, extracurricular activities. And, and it, in the beginning, the organization was associated with um, School of Music and Arts. In the in Mountain View, and then at certain point became a part of a, a of an adult organization, which at the time was called Baroque Choral Guild, 
So mm. for a while, we actually, it was an interesting coexistence of a adult group and, and a children's group. And it was already when I was the artistic director that the two groups separated. It was just, a, and the Cantabli became its own uh, nonprofit. And since then, it was started as a children's choir, practically, you know, for children um, seven through maybe 14. And when I joined, I just decided to extend it to younger students. And we now started four and then go um, through high school. And one of the biggest developments, I, I, I'd say, was when we decided to uh, start young men's division and that's when uh, Jace came in and I, I think that made us the only group here around that actually has a very developed and very successful group for young guys mm. the boys with changed voice otherwise around us it's either girls choirs or boys choirs or um, groups that have boys and girls but they don't really have uh, a TTBB choir or sure. SATB choir for real. So this is this is where I feel we are we are very special and we give um, quite a quite a wonderful opportunities to especially to to families who have both girls and boys and then they want to have siblings in the same group. You mentioned uh, or Zane mentioned during uh, talking about your bio that you had grown the group from maybe eighty to what is it now almost two hundred over two hundred singers. Yeah. What was the magic? What was it that the fertilizer or what did you add that was there just demand or? Well, one of the things, of course, was that students didn't have to leave once they were, you know, in 10th mm -hmm. grade or 9th grade, right? They just stayed. So the tenure became longer for many students. Mm -hmm. And secondly, because we started now, we, we, we started four. So we had a whole bunch of little kids coming in. And and I have to say that for a while, for, 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 for quite a long, many years, we've had uh, teachers who really, truly love working with younger kids. And that those teacher magnets, that really what makes your your organization so stick together, really. It's finding that that very jays to work with your young guys and to find another wonderful professional to, who truly loves to work with five and six year olds. It's not, I mean, you know, it's mm -hmm. not very easy. It's not easy. It's it's a different formula, it's a different recipe. Let's hear a bit of the Cantabile Youth Choir now. Here's a traditional Brazilian piece titled Menina Me Da Sua Mal, arranged by Brad and Lucy Green, with Amanda Koo on piano and Phil Hawkins on percussion. that expanded range are you seeing um now sort of more siblings joining like one child than another or like maybe even now there's enough history that you're seeing parents sort of bringing children or you know who participated and now maybe not quite that uh not that established gen generationally but siblings i imagine you might have quite a few yes siblings we have a lot of siblings you know as a matter of fact one of the of our seniors who's graduating right now she's a second child to graduate and there is still another one coming through uh you know i think he's 11 something like that now so that we do have and and, and makes me very very happy so one of the one of the um things that we do a lot is whole family kind of singing opportunities so you know those mass pieces at the end of each concert or the beginning of each concert where the little ones and the graduating seniors all sing together but oh. we do also a lot of sing-alongs which is kind of something I, I adore. I adore. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up here in California down in the Central Coast, and there was nothing like Cantabile anywhere near where I was living. Do you think that you can chalk it up to just the, the large population of, of Silicon Valley area, that there's just so many more people? Because my hometown is a pretty small place. Well, I mean... 
it's, it's a very interesting um, topic because when I got here, in, I mean, I mean, the United States, you know, I was looking at the choral culture of this country, which was so different from mine. You know, it, it again, it's a long story how Russia became this place where practically on every corner there is a choir. But it was a political move uh, so many years ago when they decided that choral singing is the art for the masses. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like literally a hundred years ago. And and then everybody had to sing like every factory had a had a chorus. Every post office would have a chorus. You know, everybody had to have a chorus. And so for for a Russian kid not to sing in a chorus, it was just such an, anom- an anomaly. You know, you play hockey, you you do ballet, you do figure skating and you sing in a chorus. Huh. Just like this is how your life goes, and so, so when I got here, and I realized that it was not, it was only in the mid '80s that the choral blossoming of the youth, youth choruses actually happened, and I'm sure there are a lot of reasons why. So when I when I came here, I'm like, I didn't know that what what I was doing with Cantabile was actually kind of like more than anybody expected because I was coming from the choral culture where children's choruses are treated just like professionals. Nobody right. says, oh, how sweet, oh, how cute children are singing together. Like, yeah, singing got children and that's what they're supposed to do. And if we don't do it well, you know, we will do something about it. That you know, con- they will know from us. I mean, that co- probably contrasts from the experience that the, the rest of us have had. To, I mean, when we were kids, it was such an esoteric, kind of a little bit nerdy thing. Really? Uh, and like, I wonder over the course of yeah. time, maybe even, Jace, you've noticed this with some of the boys too, but like, oh yeah, I mean, high school and elementary school choirs, you would have like 90% were, you know, young girls or young women. And then the choir director would be begging, you know, the the football players on the team to come join because you sort of needed someone. And yeah. how have things changed? Maybe, Jace, you can comment about this too, about like how the, the boys are reacting and is it is it cool to be in choir now at that age and first what was your experience as a kid uh, well i was uh, fortunate to be part of that kind of choral blossoming that alina spoke of i'm from indianapolis indiana and um there's a very very large uh very successful children's choir program there that i think was founded in maybe 1984 something like this um directed by Luck, he's now um, now their director emeritus. Um, but I grew up singing with him and falling in love with music that way. And um, you know, I tried to always give him credit because him and he and his uh, partner at that time, uh, artistic uh, director partner Ruth Dwyer, um, you know, they, they completely just gave me the Kool Aid, and I drank every drop of it when I was you know in in first grade or something like that. Um, but I will say to answer your question more directly, that's you, that evolution has happened. I mean, I can, I can sort of, there were, there were definitely boys in my, in my children's choir for sure, but the divide of sort of, of who they were and who they weren't is very different than nowadays. You know, I mean, we have tons of, of kids, not just boys, of course, but, but the, the boys very much included who are, who are athletes, who are, you know, doing a ton of extracurricular activities. And I think that is a mind, a mind shift that is really great. To, uh, the the a shift in mindset, excuse me, that's really great to see. Um, you know, you're not just like a jock or a music kid or something like that. And um, they, they, I think, I do think they think it's cool. You know, I, 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 the few, the few of them <laughs> who have, who have graduated that I allowed, you know, to follow me on social media, they're often talking about, you know, their experiences singing. And I, I think that's wonderful. What do you think caused that? I mean, do you think it's like the American Idol slash YouTube effect of seeing the like Sam Shoeys and, you know, these folks who are creating stuff? I mean, how did it suddenly become cool? I think it's a big part of it, right? You know, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, um, when suddenly there was, you know, acapella singing on TV and plus, plus and the, high the, school musical. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and I think, um, people, people sort of see this, uh, investment in music. Students see it as, as an onward path toward collegiate acapella, which is a huge thing, of course. Yeah. As well. Oh yeah. And so many of our students go on to, not, not only sing in those groups, but to be student directors. Um, and, and I think they, they sort of see this as something they can invest in for longer term. And, um, you know, it's not just sort of an extracurricular activity to check off one little box for a year anymore, which is great. Yeah. Hey, before we dive into discussion specifically about COVID and how you and your, your groups are handling things now, um, 
I wanted to hearken back to a simpler, maybe more pleasant time, something that might seem a little bit impossible right now. So I'm painting a picture. It's the summer of 2019, and Cantabile, I think the Vocalize and Bravi groups, are heading off to compete in the World Choir Games in Gothenburg, Sweden. And for listeners who aren't familiar, the World Choir Games is a series of adjudicated festival competitions organized by a group called, I think, Interkultur. Um, the GGMC participated in a few of those events over the years, and it's, it's always been a blast Tell us a little bit about that experience. Was this the first time that Cantabile participated in such an adjudicated festival? No. Um, Interculture has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then what they, what they actually did was they decided to open those competitions that existed and have been in existence in Europe for many years, I would say very strongly since the 70s. And this is, again, what I grew up knowing about. But those that all of those competitions, they are for, for the best of the best and they are by invitation. And so Interkultur said, OK, we will, we're going to give all choirs opportunity to come together and be adjudicated and there are different levels. And so um, I became involved in that actually as a, as a judge, mm. uh, adjudicator many, many years ago and, and adjudicated the World Choir Games in 2016. And I saw it firsthand. You know, I'm not, I'm not really a proponent of... of competition when it comes to choirs and bands and but there's a certain way in which students have to prepare themselves to to such a high level that they can actually you know sing without sleep and you know be, be not necessarily in the best acoustics but it just prepares them for a very high level so that part of the competition i i, I do like and appreciate and so we we participated in something smaller here in in California, I think it was 2017. And then we decided that we were ready. Oh, the Monterey, the, was it the one in Monterey? Yeah, yeah. Golden Gate, I think it was called or something the golden like that. Tro I think it was the Golden Trophy in golden Monterey because GGMC yeah. was there as well. And that's right. We saw you there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so, um, but th that's why we decided to go, to go there. And it was really, really a fantastic, again, as I said, I grew up, what, what I mean by that is since most probably since I was 16 or 17, my choir, uh, from, from the college would always go to something like this. And I just knew this incredible sensation of being in some old city with thousands and thousands and thousands of choral singers. And it's just like the whole city, small city somewhere in Scandinavia or in the Baltics would be completely taken over by singing people. Mm. And I thought it was the best the best sense, best sense, best way to feel how close we all are in the world and how we all, you know, our hearts beat together. So I wanted for a long time to bring Cantabile to something like this. Um, and Jace, if you want to talk a little bit about that experience we had. In yeah. school. What do you, what do you remember from the experience, Jace? Any, any memorable moments with your kids? Oh, so many. I mean, I, I'll say, you know, kind of to contrast her, uh, her, her history or her experience. I'd been to many festivals, ACDA, you know, conferences like this, but I'd never been to a competition. And I, to be honest with you, wasn't entirely sure how I felt about the idea of it. Um, <clears throat> but everything she said is exactly right. You know, just the motivation that it gives them to prepare to that level is, is really incredible. Um, gosh, favorite moments. Um, I would say, uh, so, so we took two groups, actually, we took vocalese, um, which is our treble voice concert choir. And we took, uh, Bravi, which is our, our TTBB group. And of course they sing together as an SATB choir quite a lot as well, but we entered them in two different categories of the competition. About how many kids was it total? Oh, 80. Okay. Ish, uh, something like this. Um, and there were a couple alumni that participated with us too, but it was by and large the currently enrolled students. Awesome. Um, and because of the way the competition was scheduled, the, the tenor bass group performed first. Mm -hmm. And they performed, I think, either last or second to last in their category. Uh, and the way that the, you know, there are, you know, probably 14 different competitions going on at any moment of every day during this, right? So, so it's very tightly, tightly run. And the minute you're done performing, they practically eject you on the street because there's so many people trying to get in to see the next group and, and the, the next group and so forth. 
So we're ejected on the street with everybody that had performed before us. And it was a group from France, uh, actually I think two different groups from France and a group from Indonesia and somewhere else. I, I can't even remember at this point, but they were having, you know, just like a raucous street party. Not, I mean, not inappropriate, just dancing, playing their drums that were part of their performances. Um, everybody kind of singing pop songs that, that were known around the world, but also sort of singing their own songs and teaching each other dances. And I mean, it, it was just, it was really, really cool. And I, I think, uh, I, definitely a moment that our kids will remember. You know, th these are kids, they're wonderful kids, but they're so steeped in this academic kind of achievement, Silicon Valley, everything is is go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. Um, and so they had the chance to do that because they performed very well, but then they just were immersed in this, this wonderful celebration afterward. And that's, I mean, let alone one of my favorite memories from this this summer tour but just maybe one of my favorite musical memories ever was was just watching them enjoy that moment and it lasted for an hour you know wow. into the night in in pure in joy Sweden. it was wonderful here's a bit of cantabile performing live at the 2016 acda conference singing the traditional finnish winter tune pakanen arranged by soila sariola performed by cantabile's vocalese By the way, it, we'll talk more about your YouTube channel in the future, but uh, just for our listeners, there's a lovely promo video on Cantabile's YouTube channel that was shot by, I think, Madison Lynn, which features some of the members of the group and, and talks a little bit. It's a little teaser, I think, of, or mini documentary, if you will. So if people listening should definitely check it out. It's really sweet. You hear it directly from the, from the kids in the group. It's, it's awesome. I can't imagine trying to tour with 80 kids <laughs> I, I mean that must have been challenging <laughs> and parents and best. probably yeah. yeah was it what were what were some of the challenges and some of the things that you thought were going to be really hard but then weren't as hard and that question come from the parent of a three and a half year old yes so. that's true <laughs> I mean, uh, she's almost four she's almost four <laughs> well I mean, you feel free to jump in i i'll, I'll just say i think I don't know. It sounds like I, it sounds like a line or something, but the, these kids are like the easiest kids in the world to travel with. Mm -hmm. One thing. Um, and we do this every summer. It's not always for a competition with last summer, of course, being a huge exception, unfortunately. Um, but we, you know, sometimes it's 80, sometimes it's more. Yeah. Um, and they're perhaps because of, of where we live and this, this is such a global center. A lot of them have family from other parts of the world. They're really easy to travel with. I, I, I don't know, maybe that, or maybe we just have such great parent help that I don't have to deal with anything that <laughs> that's not easy. I'm not sure. No, it's because musicians are just better. <laughs> <laughs> Get your kids into choir immediately people. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> No, I, you know, I have to say that since we started traveling every year, which began in 2008, so that last summer was the first time we skipped a travel a year. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the first time my son was traveling internationally with the choir, he was three years old. So you're a little behind. Oh, <laughs> I got to get on top of that. <laughs> so, yes. And, then, and it's something I cannot do. I cannot be a conductor and at the same time make sure that everybody's in bed by 11 o'clock that I don't do and just just I just put my big big Russian foot down and I said no you know you you take care of that and since then we have it established yeah. that conductors are there to inspire musically and not to put tape on their doors <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> I'm going to jump around for a little bit um, just to sort of put a little counterpoint to this, but you work with musicians aged from four to a, adult life. I mean, you work with many different organizations. How do these organizations impact each other? I mean, what do you take away from the children's organizations that you bring to sort of the, the adult organizations? How do they cross pollinate with each other? What do you 
learn from one experience to the other. May I answer first, Jace? Okay. Well, so, you know, there was one, there was one year in my life, which I don't want to repeat, but uh, it, it did happen. In 2013, I was at the same time a guest director for Chanticleer. And I had two of my teachers um, leave the organization for different reasons and nothing was wrong with those reasons. But I ended up teaching every choir in my organization in Cantabile, plus my symphony chorus, plus Chanticleer. And very often it would happen in the same day. So I would spend morning with Chanticleer then I would go teach four and five year olds. Then I just very quickly go to San Jose and do a you know ninth symphony rehearsal. Elena, you've got big Russian feet. This is too much. I know. I tell you, it was it, it was super super hard. And you know, so so not only I had to think in the same week how do I go from one to the other, but in the same day. So professionals. Uh, amateurs, adult amateurs, and really, really little kids. And I, I have to say, the little kids most probably saved me because mm. I could just go to that little room, plop down on the floor with those little, then you know, put their our feet together in a little circle, and just say, "Let's all smell our feet." Like <laughs> it was called the dirty socks circle, and we would start the rehearsal by smelling our feet. And I think that started by. This one day coming from Chanticleer, so exhausted, you know, being with all those brilliant musicians, just kind of going, what do I do with you? What do I do with you? And just like, I just want to smell some dirty socks. <laughs> I'm making bumper stickers immediately. <laughs> oh, wait, we're doing that with IRC at the beginning of every rehearsal. <laughs> it was just something so profoundly human about it because with Chanticleer sometimes you know it's like knock knock where is the human <laughs> yeah. you know it's just one professional <laughs> just you know what I'm talking about but um one of the one of the qualities I honestly wish more people would have and that's something that I I just want to cultivate every day in my life is playfulness mm -hmm. this is the hardest thing especially in Silicon Valley my gosh people don't know how to be playful joyful curious you know and that's that's what what working with children gives me I mean I don't I love to be the fool in the in the circle you know to make people laugh and, you know, it's just, again, you know, going, going to work with the BBC singers, you know, Chanticleer is practically, you know, a cuddling circle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, just I realized how much the, what we do, our profession is just joy. You know? And sometimes people make it into this, I don't know, like, I don't know, Pandora box or something. It's not that. And, and so that is my principle. Whatever I do, I want it to be playful because if it's not playful, then it's just work. So I, I would say this is this is the thing that I like the the golden line I I, I just put in into all the parts of my professional activity. How about you, Jace? I'm guessing that Joe Jennings did not recommend the sock smelling at Chanticleer rehearsals or <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. Although he did some very funny things. And that's one of the things that I think was so brilliant about Joe and, and why I loved, especially my first couple of years in Chanticleer working with him is he was very, very funny and very playful um, on top of, you know, also being very serious about about his music and his work, too. And I would say, you know, I mean, not to not to just basically repeat what Elena said, but but you know, being in that world for nine years, I, when she approached me to, to ask if I would be interested in working with Cantabile, I, I remember I just said, I, I don't even know if, if I can really teach, especially young women. I, I've, I've been working with professional men now for nine years. I, I don't know. And she said, well, you know, first, just come hear them. These are not just some kids that like to sing, you know, they really are wonderful. Um, and of course they were, but Regardless, I think it really took me, honestly, my first year to sort of find that playful part of myself again. And I'm I'm really grateful for it because, I mean, it's, it's not that everything is so serious when you're with professionals, but you, it just, it can get very kind of tunnel vision um, mm -hmm. 
working in that environment where you're, you know, especially in Chanticleer where you're, you know, singing the same show maybe 80 times a year. And by the end of the year, you know, you're debating about who was a microsecond late on some silly triplet that nobody in the world, except for the 12 people on stage, would ever hear, <laughs> you know, and, um, that none of that is to say that precision isn't important, of course, but um, just being able to break out of that, um, I think has made me ultimately a much better musician to work with, with professionals too, or to work with adults. Um, because sometimes it's, it's perhaps even more important, I think, than being perfect is to, to be in touch with your whole self as a musician, even the part of you that's still playful and childish when you're, you know, a hundred years old. <laughs> Shifting a little bit to sort of discussing the last few months or the last nearly year at this point under COVID. Um, in Cantabile, you both work with kids, children ages four to 18. They say that if you want the truth, ask a child, right? From the mouths of babes. What bits of truth have your musicians dropped on you these past few months? What things have you learned about life or resilience? I mean, how are the, how are the kids responding now? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I, I'll try to keep it short. I will say I've been really inspired by how resilient they are, um, by how, for the most part, for the most part, um, you know, the, the majority of them, of course, I work mostly with high school age kids, uh, but the majority of them are, are with the appropriate support, I'm sure at home, managing this fairly well. Um, and, I think I, I'm continually impressed by their ability to communicate professionally and, and honestly. And, um, but, you know, I think there are also some that are struggling too. Some who, who show their struggles by not participating as fully, perhaps as they otherwise would. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, about, about the technology we're using to hear each other while we sing. Um, but it is still, even with really good microphones and great internet connection speed, it's a little easier to hide, um, in online rehearsals, I think, than it, than it, than it is in person. Um, so that, that's been a, a challenge that I think Elena and I both, uh, spent a good bit of time thinking about how do we address that? You know, how do we reach those kids that are, are maybe just kind of sitting back from the screen or from their microphone and, and not really as, as fully present as they might be in person. Um, that doesn't really directly answer your question, but those are just some of the things we're, we're kind of dealing with week to week and trying to, to work on. Well, it's tough. I mean, I, I remember at that age that that choir and singing was my own, the majority of my social outlet and connecting with other people. Um, you know, given what we heard the news about the spread of COVID, especially among choral organizations, I mean, did the pandemic affect young choral singers differently than others? Well, I, I work with the, with our middle school group and it is much, much more difficult to be with them to, to get anything out of them than it is with high schoolers. Mm. I think that the, one of the reasons the high schoolers are better is simply because they've been around cantabile. Mm. We, we have some kids who've been around for 10, 12 years. And uh, they just sort of like, as you Jay said, they have drunk the Kool-Aid of Cantabile, mm -hmm. right? And then these middle school kids, you know, some, some days I would have a great rehearsal and they would participate. And then next week it would be the same songs, the same kids. And all of a sudden it, the feeling is, uh, you know, I'm teaching into a void and, and these people, you, I constantly feel like they're looking not at my face, even if they're looking at the screen, it's not my face that they're seeing there. Mm -hmm. And and it's been on my mind literally 24-7. It's not even how well they sing, it's just how closed up they are, you know. I, I My heart just bleeds, you know. I, I don't know how to get them. You know, some some parents would um, at times send me emails and saying, you know, I have such a, such a serious child and now she's even more serious than mm. she has ever been. Yeah. And, you know, it's, there is always that little world of a child or big world of the child that we don't see in rehearsals. But what they definitely get in rehearsals is they get that energy of others. One of the kids actually said, you know, from the mouths of babes, she said to me, 
the thing that I miss the most is the is the gestures. I can see people's faces, but I don't see their body language. And mm-hmm. it's the body language that gives them that energy, that gives them the sense that they are part of the group. Interesting, right? So, it's, so we, we, we give them, as, as Jay said, you know, they can hear everybody. And yeah. yet it is the presence of other people that does not allow them to fully open that's why you know we we do so much in terms of mindfulness you know we do yoga and meditation in every rehearsal and it's all about being able to receive you know they will all want to do this and then when their body is like this it's it's really a picture of their mind and their soul you know so anything to make them receive and be grateful Jace, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, you were sort of mentioning this or hinting at this a little bit, but with adult or community choirs, we've had mixed results with people participating in like either virtual choir pieces or even just kind of wanting to be together. And I think that that's okay, right? As adults, we can make the decision to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to step away for a while, or I just, I don't, you know, I don't think that this is as fulfilling to me as I, as I, as I thought. Have you seen the same types of reactions? I mean, Elena, you were talking a little bit about kids being closed off and um, you know, do they do they still have that same sense of agency? And by the way, you know, the other thing to sort of name, which Jace, what you were what you were saying a little bit is, that's okay, right? Like, it's not like in the midst of a pandemic we can all sort of have the same uh, productivity or you know, like put. To, I mean, so much is going on between politics and the pandemic and social change and all of these things. It's a lot, and it's especially a lot probably for younger kids to process. Do they still have that sense of agency a little bit about? wanting to participate and i think again as elena said the it, it there's a little bit of a gradient uh according to their age i think most of the high school kids that have been with us for so long or even some that have just joined this year because specifically because their school choir isn't meeting oh yeah uh, we have several of those even amongst the boys that i teach and and they're they're quite invested you know they show up for it for you know, just as just as good of attendance as they would in in person, um, and the couple of recording sessions that we've done, of course, outdoors in cars, if you can believe that, um, you know, we've had great participation in. Um, but I I think that sort of that that willingness to to give drops off a little bit um, as as age decreases, um, and I think there are all sorts of reasons for that. I think some of it is is uh, kind of screen fatigue maybe um you know especially i I try to put myself in the the head of like a a 10 year old that's already been online for six hours that an hour is on school and then maybe another extracurricular activity afterward and then you know i mean so i i think it's sort of understandable um we talk about in practically every staff meeting uh and elena and i constantly are talking about as well just what what's what's the uh the right amount to push um, you know, because at the end of the day that we're giving them an opportunity to connect, it's not the same, but it, but it is a really valuable opportunity. Um, and, and it, it, the answer, I think, unfortunately it's quite time consuming, but that's just part of what we, what we must do. The answer is that there's a lot more individual communication about that. You know, if, if this, this particular singer isn't really doing well for a couple of weeks, um, you know, I mean, I'm going to reach out not only to that singer, but probably to their parents, maybe even to the student director and try and find a way to, um, not pressure, but, but strongly invite them to participate more fully. Um, and then often there's a, there's a good explanation behind that. Um, and, and that's, that's really the best that I think we can do right now is, is expect as much as is reasonably possible. And then when it's, when it doesn't happen, then try and figure out the reason why and see if there's something that we can do to help, or if it's just a moment to say, okay, that's all you can do right now. And we'd rather have you with us than not have you. So that's, that's going to have to be okay. Don't run for cover. Don't run from the coming storm No, there ain't no use in running When that rain falls Let it wash away When that rain falls Let it wash away When that rain falls 
That was a bit of Aria singing Storm Coming by Ruth Moody, arranged by the Waylon Jennings. It's interesting. It's a little bit heartbreaking and frustrating, frankly, to hear something you had just mentioned very sort of in passing, which is Cantabile is still meeting. We all still understand the importance of music. And yet it's one of the first things that schools canceled. Why? Because how you do it. Well, just to give you a little um, numbers there. So we finished last year with 180 kids. We started this year with 120. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest drop we've a ever. Huge drop, quarter, twenty-five percent. Wow! And the drop was so the younger the kids, the more the drop. So, so our, our high school division was wow. exactly practically exactly the same numbers, but once middle school and down, and in middle school division also, the longer they have been with Cantabile, the more the they stayed, but the little ones are just. Almost not, not. No, but compared to my symphony chorus, who, um, so we are 80 and only 12 wanted to, to do something. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And these are the 12 who bought uh, this Jack Trip device and actually singing by themselves. Right. Let's let's pivot to that and talk a little bit about that now, which is how are you keeping your organizations together? What are you using? I know that there's some things like Jack Trip and, and Jamulus out there. And of course, we're on Zoom having a chat now. What tools are working for you? Well, it, you know, I mean, we went <laughs> uh, in March last year, we went from having our our 25th anniversary season gala on, I think, like March 6th with 150 people in attendance and 100 kids singing (laughs) Um, to practically a week and a half later, everything closed, right? Right. Um, And that whiplash, you know, was pretty intense, but we didn't have much time. You know, I think by the third week of March, we were having Zoom rehearsals and we finished out the rest of the season like that. Um, And I think it was effective, but we all realized that, that after two months of singing on mute, that that was not going to be a, a tenable way to, to start the next season. Um, be, because, you know, well, for reasons that we all understand, you know, <laughs> it's, it's difficult for everybody. It's difficult for the singers. It's difficult for the conductor to feel like they're just, you know, a uh, one man show for two hours or whatever, or one woman show. And, and um, so we had to figure something out. And uh, I'm also a private voice instructor. So it's a little easier to try a bunch of different things with one person at a time. Sure. So with my private students, I practically spent all the rest of the spring and the whole summer trying sound jack, jamulus, jack trip, a couple other things that I can't even remember what they're called now. <laughs> um, and the, the, the thing that... <clears throat> right blend for for me of, of being sort of I won't say user-friendly but but easy enough to understand and also uh, effective from a making from the standpoint of making music together in real time was Jamulus hmm. so um, <clears throat> I ended up using that for my, all my private students and as well for a voice class that I taught through Cantabile a small group like five five singers at a time uh, and then we had our first summer program online uh, that we sort of piloted this this technology to see how it would work because we we had maybe what fifteen singers enrolled yeah. in that something like that um, and it, it, it's it was buggy but it worked um, you know there there are mic feedback issues and and things that just have a little bit of a technical learning curve mm-hmm. um, but it worked so we we felt comfortable sort of rolling this out to our community and saying, this is how we're going to start the season. And then at that, practically at that same time, uh, we were approached by some good friends of ours, uh, close colleagues and artistic friends at Rigazzi Boys Chorus, um, who are, you know, like seven miles from us, right? <clears throat> and they, one of their board members was partnering with Stanford to create uh, this new business around uh, what they call their virtual studio technology, which utilizes Jack Trip, but with uh, kind of a dedicated uh, set of hardware that is a lot less difficult to manage uh, than everybody's different computer with their different built-in mic or their different headset or whatever. Now, this is like everybody gets a box with a microphone, you plug it into your router and off you go. And um, it's, you know, I'm making it sound a little bit simpler than it is, but, but we very quickly 
did some trials with that. And since uh, the end of, of September, I think we've been using this technology. Um, and so we found that it's the right, uh, it, it comes with the cost, but that it was the right uh, quality of rehearsal to allow us to really still attain certain artistic and educational goals and to, to be able to rehearse at a level that would allow them to feel like, man, we're really achieving something. Yeah. Um, and and pretty early on in the process too, I know that one of the things that a lot of choirs tried to put together, even just before trying to sing in real time, was just sort of um, some virtual choir projects, cool. right? And in fact, you all, before the presidential election in November 2020, you released a virtual choir piece with Cantabile, a recording of Andre J. Thomas's I Hear America Singing. I hear America singing of its greatness. I hear America singing strong. How did that piece come to be? It was one of my ideas. I don't know. They just come to me. You know, Andre Thomas was the, the very first um, African-American conductor that I ever worked with. And that was in 1993 when he was in Michigan, when I just arrived. And, you know, he's, in, in, and he actually taught that song to the students when he was there at Western Michigan University. And I, I always loved that piece. Um, and our students, you know, it's interesting that it's so, so much less this year, but our students are so socially aware. You know, they constantly want to do something to, uh, um, to address social in injustice. You know, we did, uh, they did a march, you know, a few years ago uh, as, as Cantabile. Uh, you know, this is really what their, what their passion is. And I don't know, I just thought, why not? We will do this as, as us saying, we musicians, it's music, musical activism in a sense for us. So that's, that's how it all came, came to be. I love that. And I love that right after that, or probably in the midst of recording that, you rolled directly into um, a, a holiday concert series, right? And the holidays are always a time audiences would seek out audiences seek out choral music, and they're just not the same without it, right? And despite right. COVID, Cantabile found a way to pull together not just one or two songs or one or two pieces, but you pulled together an entire Holidays with Cantabile 2020. My God, how did you do that? That is a tremendous amount of work, and it was beautiful. It was incredibly moving. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Well, we all feel incredibly aged from... <laughs> <laughs> but there was one man who really needs to be on the pedestal, like have his statue made for 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 making, making this whole concert. His name is Phil Hawkins, and he is a great uh, drummer in the area, but he's also a professor at Skyline College teaching sound engineering, I think. And he just happens to be a father of our, one of our students. And we worked with him, you know, we, we just had a conversation with him a, a couple of days ago, and he said it was so important to me last summer that we musicians, we don't just disappear. We don't just fold and go away. And then that's when he came up to us and said, I will help you to do your first virtual choir. And then the fact that he was with us through three different ways of recording recordings. One was when he invited the little guys all to, to his studio in his garage, and he recorded every single kid separately on several songs. Then the second uh, session was uh, with Jason, his smaller group of, of um, singers uh, called Aria, and that was in a uh, garden of one of our board members. That was before things became much more rigid, and so he recorded there. And so again, everybody on the, in their microphone in a mask, and then just as we were preparing to record the rest of the, the singers, a new uh, a set of restrictions came in. And so our last rehearsal, our last recording sessions were all in cars. And, you know, we have some pictures of that. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's quite bizarre and yet it worked. It's 20 cars standing in a circle facing all into the center. Each kid has a, has a microphone in his or her car and then they're singing while 
one of us, Jason, myself, we're standing there on a little box and conducting all of these cars. Does GarageBand have a car acoustic setting? I mean, how in the world <laughs> do you handle that? Yeah, well, I mean, he, has, he yeah. has this incredible portable studio that, that he amazing. brings in his van. And then, he, and then he combines all of this and he puts in punches in people who recorded at home because they were still afraid to come and, and record in even in cars. I mean, he, he, he sent me something like, you know, he spent over 400 hours doing that. Shout out to Phil. That's yeah. that's a Herculean effort. That's really amazing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, and he just, you know, I mean, he, he he's the the most wonderful person to work with. But he, every it seemed like every problem we had, he figured out a solution. You know, I mean, I I, I think there are so many people that would just look at that and say, "There's no way I can figure out how to record you in a parking lot and make it sound like you're in a cathedral," but somehow he did. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, you know, we that and it's a lot of the video production was his work too. Not all of it. Some of it was done by our students. Um, but it, as you said, it was quite a Herculean effort. Um, but I, I think ultimately, as you as you said, the people want to feel that spirit, even if they can't be at a concert live. And we've received so many lovely messages from from, you know, grandparents in Connecticut, you know, yeah. that say, you know, I'm so glad I finally got to come hear your concert. I would never have been able to do this. Um, you know, in a normal year. So there there are some kind of strange little silver linings, I think. Do you think you might you, you might keep some bits of things that you've learned or experienced from this period of time going forward? I mean, what might you keep moving forward? I mean, it seems awfully nice to be able to expand your audience and have grandparents from Connecticut listening in. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing, Elena, please, please don't let me just hijack this conversation um that's that's one thing is i you know i think there are a lot of people saying well should we just be live streaming everything um you know for for people that can't yeah there's there's a big question to be asked there but it's something to consider i think um and i i think we found out that we actually obviously not in car singing recording in cars is not ideal no. <laughs> probably not that no but we've learned, I think the singers have learned a lot about listening and headphones and microphone technique. And, um, you know, I kind of think we walked away from that experience going, man, we should always record with one person on a mic. Yes, know? exactly. <laughs> that was quite amazing. And then I would say that the one thing that that I believe is really positive um, result of, of us rehearsing on Jack Trip is how much everybody has to rely on their ear. Because yeah. if you do a Zoom, video is in Zoom, and then Jack Trip is always be before. So there's no way to, for, for you to rely on conductor's, ge conductor's gesture. It's all by ear. Mm. And even, even my symphony chorus, the 12 who bought Jack Trip, I, I just once joined on their rehearsal. I couldn't believe it. You know, this park and bark people, <laughs> you know, they're singing like the Renaissance group. You know, they can actually hear each other and then they're much more aware of their own tone and their own pitch. So that that's quite a quite a significant thing. But as far as um, I was just recently in, in, in our place where we usually rehearse, just going through the library, I came home so happy, elated, because I was in the place where music happens and you, can you smell know, the paper and the I was looked like paper. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, it, it has to come back. It has to come back. And speaking of which, looking forward, what are some things you're most excited about once we get the all clear from Dr. Fauci or whomever we all trust and we're all vaccinated yeah. and whatever is necessary? What are you looking most forward to post pandemic? I just want to to hug them all mm. honestly i know it sounds so sappy but i i want to hug them i want to physically be in their presence yeah, to walk into that room and see them all seated on their choir mats i mean yoga mats and yeah and then see the audience looking at them and singing with them our mm. concerts are very much participatory. You know, we, we like to engage the audience because we, the idea is that we are a singing community. They're not just a bunch of singing kids learning, learning about music and then the parents going, well, I guess, you know, I paid for it. It's nice. Everybody has to sing. Oh, that's so cool.
Yeah, I think anybody that is in a choir or directs a choir or has been touched by choral music, just I think we all can agree that we're we're dreaming of that first rehearsal. The performances, of course, will be will be you know also quite quite a thing. But that first rehearsal back, when you don't have to stand ten feet apart, when you can you know that I mean that that will be really quite a special moment in all of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any programs or pieces that got delayed? I mean, because obviously everyone's seasons got upended. Anything you're going to go back to when you get back together? I mean, have you even thought about like how it will actually feel? Like many folks haven't been singing. We're all a little bit out of shape. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, does that factor into what you think about when we all get back together and start singing together? I, Elena, you should really tell. I mean, she has she had planned... Uh, you know, truly an incredible 25th anniversary season for us that, <laughs> that got cut very short. And uh, I'm sure you probably want to speak to some of that music and some of the things that we hope we can reschedule. Well, it was, yeah, it was going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal year because it was my 20th anniversary with the symphony chorus and there was supposed to be a big concert, um, you know, Celebrating my 20 years, con, you know, co contributing to the to the to the music of San San Jose and Silicon Valley, and then of course the 25th anniversary of Cantabile was supposed to happen in at Bing Hall, and we commissioned Jocelyn Hagen uh, a 20 minute 25 minute piece. We were supposed to premiere uh, first real choral piece that is con that what is conceived and. Uh, uh, with movement and drama and composition and, and singing, not just, you know, let, let me compose pieces and then you decide what to put in, but they actually were composing choreograph uh, and, and the composer together. And then, you know, the, the, the biggest cherry on the, on that cake was we were invited to, uh, to sing at the world choral symposium in New Zealand. Wow. Which, as you know, happens only every three years, and oh man, it's well. Look, if if the if the Olympics can be postponed one year, I am certain that we can find some of these things. And you know what? You can have the the twenty sixth anniversary. We'll just make yeah, that a thing. We'll have months. off. Yeah, twenty five plus one. We'll find ways to celebrate. We're not going to give up on these things. I think we're just going to come back to them. I hope be stronger no. and and more committed. For sure. Have you guys? Um had any stuff come across your desk as it were that's new newly created during covid times that you're particularly excited about uh doing maybe something that was inspired by covid or ha have you seen any new music being presented to you well i just just recently uh i saw it actually it's not a recent um it's not wasn't recently done but i just saw it it's uh, how shall i keep from singing and and it's a newly composed melody and it's 140 musicians from new york singers and uh, instrumentalists and it's really cool and that's what i would like to do um so right now there is a, an orchestra here and it's san jose youth orchestra they're also on jack trip mm. so this is something i would love to do yeah. Take, take young young instrumentalists and us and just do this virtual choir slash orchestra of that very cool but yeah. otherwise yeah also, sorry elena i didn't mean to interrupt yeah. um the thing that has been i think the most uh both not not that it's not that we don't do this a lot but we we just i think have seen a lot more opportunities for collaboration because of the, because it's you know it doesn't require now being in the same space you can't be right so we're you know talking with, with composers or other choirs from really all over the world. And even just locally here, uh, as Elena said, the Youth Symphony and a couple other uh, organizations that, that, you know, I think we all in a normal season are so caught up in the rhythm of, of our own concert season and preparing for it. And it's, it's harder to look outside and reach out for those collaborations. But um, we've certainly done a lot more of that, I think, than, than we would have been able to do in the course of, of a in-person season. Hmm. And what's going on with the uh, Gaudi, Jace? Unfortunately, not very much right now. I had, as I mentioned to you in, in an email, I had sort of a light season planned anyway. Um, and I think, you know, for such a small organization, um, just a few years old, it, it seemed kind of insurmountable, to be honest with you, to, to start anything new at that, at that moment. 
Um, but I do know, um, you know, I've, for instance, I've been in, in contact with Elizabeth Kimball, um, and I know she's working on a lot of uh, virtual choir productions, and she sings sings with Gaudi, of course, almost with every set. So there's there's sort of little spurts of growth starting to happen there, and I, I that's one of the things I look forward to the most on the other side of this is is kind of that freelance work again, and and being able to work with those incredible professional singers who are right here in the Bay Area. Do you feel like there's anything that those professional singers from Gaudi that they could learn from your youth students in well, we actually, we actually did a, a concert together in 2019. Um, and I, I think if I, if I had to be really honest, I think it was it, the, the learning most certainly happened on both sides. You know, yeah, I mean, sure. it was a, it was a, a fun concert to, to put together. It was not too difficult in terms of, of the logistics. It just kind of seemed to work. And um, and I we did sing a, a couple pieces together at the end, and I, I think those singers, the the adult singers in Gaudi, really really enjoyed it. I mean, they were blown. I remember afterward, they were like, "Whoa, those kids are awesome! <laughs> so they good. are awesome. They absolutely are awesome. Anyone who's listening, you should absolutely check out Cantabile. They're they're really extraordinary. Find them online. Do you have you have recordings released as well on Spotify or anywhere we can find them? Yeah, give us give us a little shout out, or give yourselves a shout out. Uh, where where can people find Cantabile's music and enjoy performances currently? <laughs> YouTube, absolutely, our YouTube, YouTube channel for sure. Yeah, and we have CDs um, that we don't have on any platform selling them, which reminds me, we should. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and people can find information about that on your on Cantabile's website. Cantabile.org. Cantabile.org. Any. Yep. Parting words for us as we kind of look into the future. Any, what wish do you want to leave for for the folks who are who are listening? I I just want to say that I I hope that when we are able to be together again to enjoy live music, that people come to it with hunger and thirst rather than, oh, I didn't miss it, or, well, you know, I can live without it. Um, it is such an important and absolutely necessary part of any human's life. That is one of the best ways to connect, is through sound, through being together, you know, and of course, singing together. I still don't like to think of, of performance as something that we are on, you know, we are on stage and then the bright lights and you are sitting in in dark hole and, you know, don't clap when, when it's not supposed to be clapping. Everybody's singing, everybody's clapping, dancing, whatever. So hunger and thirst mm. for live performance. Jace, how about you? Well, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to add to that. That's it's exactly what I hope too. And I, I hope that people will kind of look at the the number of times during this past year. Um, and by the time it's over, it will have definitely been more than a year. I hope people will look at the number of times that they have turned to music, recorded music or something they saw, found on YouTube. Um, that They'll turn to that and realize how important it has been um, in, in that absence um, that they have looked to the arts for solace and inspiration and just to get them through and and that the reunion will be all the sweeter and that as elena said that people will, will come with open arms back back to concerts i'm sure they will i'm sure they will we agree yeah we've we've heard a theme from several of the of the directors that we've been talking to in this first series a a sentiment of you know realizing that there were certain things that they or that we took for granted before 2020 came down upon us. Um, is there anything that you're now looking back at 2020 thinking, gosh, I, I didn't realize I took that for granted and now I'll never take it for granted again. Is there anything in particular that stands out to you in that way? I'll, I'll say while she's thinking, I, I, I took for granted as, as a leader in a rehearsal, I took for granted how much, you know, when you work closely with a great colleague like Elena, how much synergy there is when you're together in the same room. And there's so many things that were just easy, you know, that I, I mean, I never really had to think about, you know, you play the piano. No, you play for this one. Um, and, you know, the way we would run our rehearsals was so flexible and, and um, you know, we just kind of 
felt that. And I'm sure we will again when we go back to in-person rehearsals, but it takes so much more planning when everybody's on a Zoom session. And if you want to break them into little groups, you know, it takes time to create the rooms and all that. I mean, just that sense of, of synergy, I think I, I really, really have come to appreciate during this and I will not take it for granted again. Yeah. What about you, Elena? You know, honestly, I am I am speechless when it comes to this. I don't think I ever took anything for granted. One thing I never took for granted for sure is, is how phenomenal it is to be working with Jace and how wonderful it is to, to be surrounded by this wonderful young people who have so much love and, and passion, you know? That distance is no good. Yeah. And you know, I have I have lived the distance for for 27 years. It's been 27 years since I moved from Russia. And that distance that I always felt with my culture and with my family. Mm. You know, it's 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 it becomes a part of your life, you know, when you know that you can only speak to your mother by phone, right? Or you can only hear about concerts that are happening in St. Petersburg, but this distance is so much more acute, mm -hmm. you know, feeling this um, desperation. In my case, it's almost desperation. Every, every morning I wake up and I say, well, how can I feel positive about what's going on? And of course we, we have to, right? This is what we do. We, we find positive, we find a way to tell our students, you know, we're learning this and we're learning that and see how much stronger, but, but in reality, we have to be together. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Well, this has been a really fantastic uh, conversation with both of you. Thanks. Thanks for taking time out of your day and for joining us on this new podcast that we're, uh, we're launching next week. So, um, you know, we're, we're very excited to, to feature your, your conversation with us. Oh, well, thank you for having us. It was great. Thank to you guys. Thank you for having us. It's, it's been a pleasure. This was wonderful. Lovely to meet you, Elena. Jace, love to see you. And hope to see you both again in person very soon. In the yeah. same room. All four of us, not just it, two. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not fair. <laughs> With adult beverages in hand. Adult uh, indeed. Beverages. Several. 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 <laughs> Agreed. Wonderful. Well, you two take care. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And we will be talking to you soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And thank Bye -bye. you for what you're doing. I'm glad that there are people putting all of this content in the world. It's really oh, yeah. good. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the In Unison podcast. But before we go, do you sing in an awesome choir that people should know about? Or maybe know a composer or conductor you'd love to hear on the show? How about any recent or upcoming performances that touched your heart, tickled your fancy, or made you go, hmm? Well, then we would love to hear from you. Please shoot us a note at ideas at inunisonpodcast.com with your thoughts. And who knows, maybe Chorus Dolores will ask us to talk about it during announcements. <laughs> In Unison is sustained, nourished, and fostered by you, our loyal and loving listeners. And don't forget to subscribe to In Unison on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at In Unison Pod. And hey, if you like what you heard, tell a friend or a section mate. Thanks again for tuning in. See you soon. Concert program notes written promptly and delivered on time by Chorus Dolores, who's wondering where everyone is today. In Unison is produced and recorded by Mission Orange Studios. Our theme music is Mr. Puffy, written by Avi Bortnik, arranged by Paul Kim, and performed by the Danish vocal jazz ensemble Dynamic on their debut album, This Is Dynamic. Special thanks to Paul Kim for permission. Be sure to check them out at www.dynamicjazz.dk.